0: Welcome to What About Us, a podcast that discusses how policies affect rural Tennesseans. My name is Sandy Rice, and I am the creator of What About Us. We have had 4,000 downloads since the first episode, July 5th, 2019. I think that's pretty cool. Thank you, listeners. We certainly have had an uptick um, in downloads since uh, COVID, so I'm not going to thank the virus, but I... Thank you. I thank you again for listening. I was going to take a little break for a couple of months. I have some uh, great guests and topics scheduled for the fall, but no one wants to jump in now. It's summertime, and even though events, weddings, vacations, etc. are canceled, we still have that summer vacation feel, and I'm no exception. But terrible things keep on happening in our country and our state, so I'm going to keep on going. The title of today's episode uh, was Difficult, What about us and are we Confederates? Or uh, what about us and Confederate symbolism? Or what about us and racism? So uh, pick one and uh, here we go. As you know, a black man named George Floyd allegedly tried to pass a $20 counterfeit bill in a small grocery store in Minneapolis on May 25th of this year. The police were called, and Mr. Floyd ended up handcuffed behind his back, with hands behind his back, on the ground, with the policeman on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds, until he was dead. That's a long time. It's hard to imagine kneeling on a struggling person who is begging to breathe. People yelling uh, while the officer sits nonchalantly with his hands in his pockets. Um, could he feel the struggle of Mr. Floyd diminish and stop. Uh, The pulse coursing through the neck weaken, slow, then stop. Anyway, it is horrifying and the country and the world have erupted in pain, anger and rage for weeks. Some questions. What makes this different from other deaths of black men uh, by police? What has sustained these protests? What are the protesters asking for? What is the change that's desired? Does change seem to be happening? Well, the first thing seems to be a call for police reform, and we are seeing some action, some change, legally, in charges against the officers, with legislation barring chokehold and other maneuvers, and structurally, looking at police unions and budget changes for police departments. So this movement is not just a kumbaya thing, but a real call for tangible change. Of course, some people don't like change. They think things are fine just the way they are, or at least not that bad. So the anger and controversy, as well as the protests and deaths, continue, and the divisions in our country widen. A broader issue, though, is equality, not just equal treatment by the police, but equal treatment from other institutions such as healthcare. We have seen higher COVID-19 infections and poor outcomes in communities of color, not because there are some genetic predispositions, as, um, as some have tried to find and um, prove, but because accessibility to affordable care of chronic conditions and comorbidities, we call them, um, such as hypertension, diabetes, obesity, cancer, and stress, um, are less accessible, affordable, and available to these populations. But what about equality in education, financial opportunity, employment, housing opportunities, and just general respect? And what about us Southerners, Tennesseans? Protests are occurring here. The South has a long history of treating black Americans unequally slavery the civil war reconstruction jim crow civil rights segregation desegregation southern pride voter suppression the kkk confederate monuments and the battle flag my listeners know how i like to unpack a little history to help us work through a topic but i'm not going through all of that i'm only going to go back to five years years ago dylan roof remember him He was a 21-year-old white supremacist who murdered nine black churchgoers in Charleston, South Carolina, on June 6, 2015. Roof's manifesto described the killings as the start of a race war. Photos of Mr. Roof bandishing a pistol and a rubble flag finally put into question whether the Confederate battle flag is an innocent symbol of Southern pride or of race wars and white white supremacy. The country was forced to look, take a closer look, at the Confederate ideas and tradition of racial terrorism, going back to the mid-19th century in the American South. How did this persist for 150 years? Surely there is more the South could find to celebrate. Food, definitely. Literature, sports, a few examples. Following the Civil War, though, the Lost Cause movement sought to present the war from the perspective of the Confederacy, in the best possible terms. Orchestrated by the United Daughters of the Confederacy, among others, they rewrote Southern history, maybe to give you know relief, um, soothe the dishonor of defeat. The lost cause believed their Confederate generals should be honored, no matter their atrocities. They and their soldiers were heroic and saintly, The women at home were fully supportive of their men and the war effort. Slaves were faithful, receiving almost familial treatment by their masters. This was written into textbooks, books, and films. Gone with the Wind, Little Women. The textbooks may have um, um, put this history forth well into the 20th and maybe even 21st century. But scholars and historians agree the primary cause of the Civil War was the preservation and extension of slavery in America. It was fought to guarantee the rights of some human beings to own others. Soldiers deserted the Confederate Army at a rate of 10 to 15 percent. Many women and children felt the economic injustices of the war. And if you've read anything at all, um, slavery was not... Uh, as it was outlined there wasn't uh, familiar treatment by the masters but harsh punishment which worsened uh, more after the Civil War and post-Reconstruction. Confederate General Robert E. Lee opposed monuments. He thought it better not to keep open the sores of war, Uh, better to Try and obliterate the marks of civil strife. Um, to commit to oblivion the feelings engender, engendered by the war. To move past. Um, to move past the war. Uh, he swore allegiance to the Union. Uh, he opposed specifically uh, the Confederate monuments because he felt it would keep divisions alive. He was, he was right about that. Okay. Um, Confederate symbolism is linked to white supremacist values, and often the battle flag um, is displayed with the Nazi swastika. Adolf Hitler noted the connection of white supremacy and Confederate symbols himself, uh, praising the United States as the near epitome of the racist state. The Nazi movement, to him, normalized his agenda in Germany by pointing out that racist policies and practices had been successfully applied in the southern United States. Wow. Okay, so can people of goodwill see Confederate symbolism as a harmless expression of regional pride? Dylan Roof and multiple police killings of black Americans are changing public sentiment. Okay. In South Carolina, where the shootings took place, the Confederate flag was removed from the state house grounds where it had flown for more than half a century. Major retailers stopped selling merchandise carrying the Confederate um, insignia. The United States Marine Corps banned public display of the Confederate flag at Marine Institutions. General David Berger said to his fellow Marines that the power to inflame it had the power to inflame feelings of division in a military organization that relies on unity to do their work. Uh, Most recently, NASCAR has banned the display of the Confederate flag at its event. I'm a new fan of NASCAR. There has been discussion of changing the names of 10 Army basins in the South, named after Civil War generals. Now, this has been opposed by uh, President Trump, uh, which further strains his relationship with the military. So, Confederate uh, installations in the South, for example... Um, A military base in Virginia is named after General George Pickett. uh, Considered to be profoundly dishonorable and incompetent, as well as a coward, Uh, George Pickett fought um, a disastrous battle at Gettysburg, Pickett's charge. He had executed 22 Union soldiers near the end of the war. He was put before a military panel, and found guilty of heinous crimes and violating the rules of war and principles of humanity. I mentioned General Pickett because I visited Gettysburg in February. Uh, no crowds, um, and I would highly suggest this landmark um, place when it opens again. You have to go. You have to go for more than a day. It's amazing. Closer to home, Fort Benning in Georgia honors Henry Louis Benning, who believed that African Americans were not really human and could never be trusted with full citizenship, and many other alarming statements resembling the white supremacist themes of today. Closer yet, a large bust of Confederate General Nathan Bedford Forrest, who I will refer as NBF, um, is in our Tennessee Capitol near the governor's office and has been a subject of protest and controversy for years and receive national attention. On April 12, 1864, which was three years after the start of the war at Fort Sumner, um, um, NBF uh, led an attack on Fort Pillow. Fort Pillow was a remote overlooking the Mississippi River uh, with little military value and kind of a ridiculous name. Um, General Forrest, probably wanted to get supplies and horses from that installation. Although I have heard of um, General Forrest's brilliance in battle planning, um, plans are still studied today, Um, what happened afterwards remains one of the most notorious and controversial incidents of the Civil War. Um, The fort was held by a combination of white Southerners and black freedmen, including a Tennessee Cavalry, Unionists and Rebel deserters, a U.S. Colored Artillery Regiment, and some men from the local area. So black and white, Union and Confederates, about 500 or 600 men at the fort uh, and against forests, 1,500. So battle uh, ensues. The fort occupants refuse to surrender. Rebel troops... Eventually overwhelm the fort. Union soldiers free flee. Actually, everyone tries to flee, and chaos ensues. Okay, the Confederate soldiers go nuts at the sight of Negro soldiers fighting alongside Unionists, and battle turns into massacre. From Confederate Sergeant Achilles V. Clark, um, writes, words cannot describe the scene. The poor. Deluded Negroes would run up to our men, fall upon their knees, and with uplifted hands scream for mercy, but they were ordered to their feet and then shot down. The white men fared little better. Their fort turned out to be a great slaughter pen. End of quote. As frightened men, women, and children fled to the river to swim for safety, they were shot and drowned. Union soldiers were hunted along the riverbank and shot. The river was red with blood. Rebels hacked and shot wounded men. 20 surrendering federals, uh, federal soldiers were lined up and shot by a volley. Black troops were especially targeted. Only 35% survived but would be eventually returned to slavery, not prison camps. Okay, Fort Pillow was just one of several massacres that Confederates committed against black soldiers that year with hope that these victories would demonstrate to the North that Negro soldiers could not cope with Southerners. It didn't turn out that way. People were outraged, and remember Fort Pillow became a battle cry. So is a general responsible for the behavior of his troops? In our current civilian government situation, the buck is passed. Uh, No one is responsible or knows what is happening. And that seems to become more and more acceptable. Maybe you can write a book about it later. I think the military puts a little more responsibility on the people in charge, leading the troops. Okay, I apologize for the graphic scene. NFB went on to become the first Grand Wizard of the KKK in 1867, which ushered in a reign of racial terror during which black Americans were stripped of basic rights and murdered for attempting to start a business or vote, and along with Jim Crow laws, even walked down the street, among other things. Um, General Forrest resigned from the KK in 1869, just a few years later, uh, and before his death, he denied even being a KKK member uh, and claimed to be in favor of racial harmony. Okay, so the Confederate flags are banned by South Carolina, NASCAR and the Marines. um, Monuments are pulled down all over the world for memorializing people who are flawed, not worthy of honor, or in the American South, also uh, erected in the 1930s to remind black folks of the past and what can happen if change is attempted. Um, Almost a reinforcement of Jim Crow, and usually put in as, uh, in front of, you know, city hall, government buildings and things like that. Okay, so what's the big deal? Um, These things are just a piece of Southern history, Southern heritage. Why why should anyone be upset, especially a black Tennessean who has to walk by uh, them or be reminded the people that look like them were massacred, bought and sold, lynched, murdered, beaten, and it's still happening. And on top of that, the people that had a big part in all that pain and death, you know, are being honored with a statue. Well, I can see why that might be. Okay, let's also remember that public sentiment has changed. There will be no statue of Dylan Roof in Charleston. No memorial to the officers in Minneapolis. I'm pretty sure there's not a statue of Hitler in Germany. But in Tennessee, the GOP supermajority legislature, things don't change much. The bust of NBF in a day honoring him remains July 13th. There have been multiple protests about the bust and suggestions that it be replaced by a better Tennessean. Apparently, the governor was legally bound to declare NBF Day on July 13th, but as of last week, he is no longer required to sign a proclamation honoring General Forrest. Reports from the Capitol indicate that the discussion regarding this was bitter and emotional as black members of the Senate pleaded with their colleagues to delete Forrest from the list of people with their own day. Um... So that's not eliminated. He just doesn't have to sign it. So that, that would have been nice to get rid of it altogether. But, and of course, the bus remains as additional. Uh, conservative members were added to the Capitol Commission, uh, considering whether to listen to the voice as a public outcry or continue to believe kind of in the lost cause um, portrayal of uh, General Forrest. Again, um, I would like to point out, as I have uh, many times in this podcast before, how the legislature puts a block between the voice of Tennesseans and the state government. In this case, it's a capital commission. It doesn't matter what we, you know, think or or put to a vote what we think about the bust or other monuments in in our state capital. It has to be a commission. Okay, as the legislature continues, more stuff happens. Okay, there was a Kentucky Fried Chicken reference. An apology from one Republican senator. I mean, uh, representative. Um, they've refused to honor uh, a black teen uh, that was that was killed. She apparently had a little marijuana on her or something before. Um, I just I want to just mention um, a resolution to honor Rush Limbaugh after he received a Medal of Freedom, um, um, from, from President Trump. I, I mean, this, this guy, um, Rush Limbaugh said horrible things about women, women especially, and lots of other people, but, um, anyway, um, I digress. Uh, let's see, uh, legislator continues, more stuff happens, um, Partisan lines are deep. There's an increasingly impatient Black Caucus. Anger and dysfunctional behavior uh, in the legislature is happening against the backdrop of of a pandemic, racial tension, and financial disaster uh, for thousands of Tennesseans. So what about us? What does all this mean for rural Tennesseans? I was going to say we don't have aggressive police forces in small towns, although Deckard police pursued an out-of-towner to his drowning death uh, in Fort Tim's Lake last weekend. well, Why was he running away from the police, some may ask. Well, why wasn't he rescued from the water so he could be asked why he was running? There's also an article in this week's paper about a shooting, um, a police shooting in Saudi Daisy. So so maybe we need to look at small-time police departments sometime. But are we really friendly little rural towns where everyone is welcome? Okay, Winchester refused refugees when they weren't even asked to take any. I know of black people that have been heckled at a Cowan Festival, Innocent Little Festival, and at the county fair in Franklin County. Black students in Swanee last week mentioned that they will not go to surrounding small towns alone. They fear for their safety. Do we mean to share Confederate symbols with white supremacists? Are we white supremacists and racists? Do you believe white people are superior? Do you elect state and federal representatives that resist changes in public sentiment, are change in public sentiment, ignore calls for equality in health care, law and order, education? Well, someone is. Well, let's go to the action plan. Just in case you're ready to change 150 years of Southern history, change racial inequality, make a difference for a better, brighter future for Tennessee and America, and have Dolly Parton's bust displayed in the state capitol. Oh, that didn't sound right. Okay, I am going to borrow a really excellent list of actions put forth by Eric Ward, senior editor for the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, in authoritarian state or inclusive democracy. 20 thing, Twenty-one things we can do right now. Okay, in a quote, this all is a quote, America is on a precipice. Whether we go over the edge into the abyss of a full-blown authoritarian state, or find firm ground on which to construct an inclusive democracy depends on what we do right now. We need to be clear. Every word and every action has consequence. This is what I can point towards. 21 things those committed to inclusive democracy can do right now. Number one, recognize the precarious moment that American democracy finds itself in right now. Two. Honor the grief and anger that the public is feeling over the recent lynchings of black Americans, many at the hands of law enforcement. I'm going to say that lynchings in Mr. Ward's um, list here uh, refused refers to violence uh, of black Americans, not specifically lynchings, as we know that word. Number three, understand the culpability of elected officials and senior law enforcement who waited until people were at their wits end, protesting and rioting in the streets before taking the issue seriously and taking action, and who now stand by eye as the police riot in cities across the nation. Number four, condemn Donald Trump's call for violence and demand that the U.S. House of Representatives and Senate Open hearings immediately on the president's unlawful incitement of violence. Be troubled by the seven people shot in Louisville, the 21-year-old shot and killed in Detroit, law enforcement officer shot in Milwaukee, the two law officers shot in Oakland, one killed, and on and on and on. Number six, raise concern about the number of vehicle assaults against protesters by both law enforcement and possible vigilantes, a deadly tactic we remember from the protest against the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally, where Heather Heyer was killed. Decry the disparate and disproportionate policing response to the protests of bru- police brutality in cities around the nation. Compared with the hands-off response to reopen rallies where armed white men shut down state capitals. This has been, so much has happened since that, but this was especially in um, Michigan where everybody, you know, piled up on the female governor of uh, Michigan because she wanted to keep um, residents safe. Number eight, acknowledge that white folks, rioters, not protesters, have again and again, without invitation, hijacked, sidelined, and distracted from black communities' leadership attempts to stop black lynchings in America, you know, lynchings, violence. Um, I'm not sure if I have to explain that, but um, the, there's a difference between rioters and protesters, and the rioters are focused on as examples of we shouldn't allow any protests because look at the arson and the looting. Well, those people are breaking the law and they should be arrested. The peaceful protesters, that is our right, our First Amendment right to assemble. Number nine, demand that law enforcement priorities prioritize de-escalation and that all violence against nonviolent protesters cease immediately. Number ten, build the collective memory that law enforcement has a long-established track record of disproportionate response to social movement protests that comes from the left and of employing agent provocateurs to incite violence. An example is blaming Antifa for, or Antifa for anything bad that happens uh, when it's not proven Of their environment. They're really kind of a loose, unorganized group, anyway, but they're being given a lot of uh, credit where credit's not due. 11. Assist that police not equate property damage with the taking of a human life to justify state violence against protests. This is the looting. Lift up the peacemakers like Erica Shields, the chief of police in Atlanta, who walk the streets with protesters talking to everyone. Ruel Islam, whose restaurant burned the Minneapolis uprising and said that wasn't the most important thing. Networks like the Movement for Black Lives and local NAACP chapters who are calling for concrete and tangible changes to systems of policing. Raise alarm about the activation of National Guard and military units, martial law and states of emergencies and the idea that those opposing fascism could now be labeled terrorists. Condemn accelerators on both the right and left to glorify and center violence over justice, devices ideology over common ground values. Demand that all parties cease engaging in violence and the targeting of civilians and their property through arson. Demand that cities and state governments launch independent investigations into the deaths or injury of an individuals in the midst of protests and riots. Call on cable news and other media to drop paywalls or fees during this time. Americans need access to real-time, fact-checked information. And I know that the New York Times has done this. You can get um, a very pricey online subscription to the New York Times for free. I'm going to come back to number 17. So number 18, press philanthropy to immediately double grand making for at least three years to advance real equity in America. Number nineteen, acknowledge injustice but call on all to restrain from a cycle of systemic and physical violence that will only escalate escalate the rise of authoritarianism in America. Number twenty, bring together people of goodwill who believe the American experiment's best days are yet to come. Defend inclusive democracy by using disciplined nonviolent protest and nonviolent direct action to demand justice and hold local elected officials accountable. Finally, if you believe that Black Lives Matter, support the goals being established by the Movement for Black Lives. Respect the black leaders who have lived this reality their whole lives. Educate yourself and others on the connection between police brutality in America, and fine and loan forgiveness, universal basic income, and other forms of reparations as outlined by the Black-led movement for justice. Do, do one thing, do them all, but take seriously and warn others that the attempt to create an inclusive American democracy is now on a precipice. Words and actions carry real consequences that could drive us over the edge and to a point of no return. So pretty s- scary stuff. I am going to go back to uh, number 17 because I have breaking news on this one. It's a little bit, I had to look up some stuff on this. So it is to call on um, the United Nations to immediately appoint a human rights investigator into present day lynchings or violence of black Americans and organize a truth and reconciliation commission on policing in America. Well, um, what does that mean? So I'm going to quote sections of an article by the Associated Press by Jamie Keaton. The brother of George Floyd made a heartfelt plea on Wednesday, last Wednesday, to the UN's top human rights body, urging it to launch intense international scrutiny of systemic racism, the killing of black people by police, and violence against peaceful protesters in the United States. So, uh, George Floyd's brother, Philonese, P-H-I-L-O-N-E-S-E Floyd, uh, sent a video message to the Human Rights Council. Uh, He was supported by dozens of African countries, hoping to create a commission of inquiry. Uh, the council's most powerful tool of scrutiny to report on racism and violence against protesters by police in the U.S. Um, this is an unprecedented effort to train a potentially uncomfortable spotlight on the U.S., which calls itself the world's leading advocate for human rights. Now we have no voice in this room. The Trump administration pulled out of the 47-member body two years ago. Now, the council has regularly addressed police brutality and racial profiling in the United States, and they were major themes during its last turn five years ago for a regular review of its human rights record that all countries go through at the council. But never before has the United States record in those areas led to an urgent debate on its record in those areas. Uh, Here's a real clincher at the end of this article. Russia's envoy accused the United States of ignoring racism for decades and derided a calamitous state of human rights in the U.S. China's representative said his country was saddened and shocked by Floyd's death, saying it wasn't an isolated case and one that exposed chronic and deep-rooted racial discrimination in the United States. So we're being criticized by our enemies. Also, um, our intelligence communities uh, in the U.S. Uh, regularly monitor other countries for uh, signs of declining democratic values. Guess who's on the top of the list? Us. Us, as in U.S. The reason the militarization of police against the protesters. So these are uh, President Trump's comments and actions uh, using force, threatening force and violence against again our right to say something's wrong and we don't like it. Um, You know we'll be seeing how things go for Juneteenth which is today. We'll be seeing how things go at President Trump's rally in Tulsa on the 99th anniversary of a massacre of black people uh, there Uh, not to mention the high risk of the spread of the coronavirus. Okay, if you're interested in the um, the things you can do right now, that's from uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, Eric Ward, W-A-R-D. It's Authoritarian State or Inclusive Democracy, 21 Things We Can Do Right Now. You can Google that. That's from June first, 2020. I would also like to... Strongly recommend uh, learning more about uh, race in America. All of these museums, unfortunately, are closed, but I'm going to let you know so that if we ever get to travel or go anyplace again, you can put them on your bucket list. The National Civil Rights Museum at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis. Oh, my gosh. I've got to go back. It's so packed with information. I didn't get past the um, the Pettis, Edmund Pettus Bridge. Um, you also get to see um, the balcony where Martin Luther King stood. You can visit the boarding house where James Earl Ray uh, fired its fatal shot. It's well. It's um, yeah. You should go. The Legacy Museum and National Memorial for Peace and Justice. Uh, in Montgomery, the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute, in DC, the African American History and Culture Museum, of course, as I mentioned, Gettysburg in Pennsylvania, Civil War history, uh, Selma, Alabama, any of the MLK history sites in Atlanta. Okay, you can also Google. Um, books and movies about race racism uh, the black experience um, to add to your movie and book lists there are discussions and podcasts everywhere uh, as the nation tries to understand and tries tries to heal this legacy this sad legacy that we have of course always um, write your Representatives and senators at the state and federal level. I would say, especially at the state, um, especially if you disagree with some of the memories and monuments um, that they're that they're upholding um, and their resistance to change. I um, I don't know if if Tennesseans you know want want that. Um, Or they just, um, maybe they don't realize that, you know, there's lots of good candidates wanting a chance to run and represent us. uh, And I think better in in many, many things, um, including this. So thank you for listening. Um, Good luck with your summer. Um, I would urge everyone to continue CDC guidelines, to wear masks, uh, Tennessee has been pretty lucky, um, but rural areas are, are hot spots, uh, becoming hot spots quickly because we've decided we don't want to do some very minimal things to protect ourselves from the pandemic. We'll be talking more about the pandemic uh, soon with a, a family practice physician. Um, and also, our good friend uh, John, Dr. John Palisano, promises to come back in the fall and give us some updates on coronavirus vaccines. Thanks for listening to What About Us and tell your friends. Bye bye.